For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 140 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're back. No taking a week off. We're back. Just gonna do our damn ass, damn thing again no like we mas. do almost every week out of the year. Every week. <laughs> most of the time. Most of the time, every Usually. week. Usually, <laughs> usually every week, every Saturday, sometimes unless something happens, usually every week, 48 weeks out of the year on Saturday, we're here talking to you about Star Wars. <laughs> Amongst other things. Amongst many but other things. But mostly Star Wars. So, uh, how you been, buddy? How's your week been? I've been good. It's been a good week. Can't complain. Nice. How you been? Been good. So now that it is official, everything's nice and booked, uh, Jesse and I will be out in L.A. in May. May 23rd to 28th. Dang, buddy. It's going to suck. I wish you could come. I oh, know, wait. Man, me too. Oh, wait. Will's a coming too. That's I'll right. I'll be there. Blue Harvest Buddies in the air, flying in one of them big aluminum birds. It's gonna be like the Beverly Hillbillies, buddy. And by that, Blue Harvest I mean, goes to Cali. But it Oh wow, y'all just got some tall buildings and fucking concrete swimming ponds. Video. Nah, we, we will. We will. Uh, what is it? We will squeal. You know, for cool, cool shit they got in California that we don't have here in the Mississippi and Alabama, but. No, I mean, I'm sure Jesse and Will will be perfectly composed, classy people as they are. Me, I'm gonna, I've never been, never been to LA, never been to New York, so, uh, we'll see, we'll see what I think. Makes me a little nervous. The traffic thing makes me a little nervous. It's all you ever hear about, LA traffic, we'll see. LA traffic, it traffic is traffic. Um, but yeah, should be a good time. Get to see uh, 
all of my celebration buddies. Will will get to meet everybody for the first time. And buddy, I'm telling you, after that, you're going to be like, oh yeah, got to do Celebration 2019. Oh man. Oh, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I need the vacation. I tell you what, that's uh, that's one thing. So, uh, Anyways, before we get into the news and stuff this week, and we got a couple, couple of things, couple, maybe about a couple pounds of things to discuss, and uh, lots of emails and voicemails, which we're going to knock out tonight. So uh, let me give you guys the business. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blueharvestpodcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at blueharvestpod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We have shirts and things for sale tpublic.com slash user slash blue harvest podcast two new amazing solo a star wars story inspired designs from our good buddy and amazing artist evan DeCellis available on our tpublic store i got my own in the uh mail today looks wonderful uh probably still a little too fat to wear it but working on that we'll see how it goes and we are so happy to be part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network, where every day of the week, you guys can get a fresh, hot off the digital presses, new episode of Star Wars content to put into your ear holes and enjoy. The Such best. A, the best Star Wars, Star Wars content. Wars content. I ain't, we're talking two Michelin star Star Wars content. Right? See. Now this is podcasting. Steel Wars. Rebel Girl. The Sith List. Featuring Eric Strothers. That's for you, buddy. Rogue One. Cantina Cast. Idiot's Array. Tarkin's Top Shelf. First Order Transmissions. The Cargo Hold and Podcast 2187. Boom. Boom. That's a solid business. That was good business. It was clean. <laughs> oh, and here's a little surprise business at the end. If you guys like to watch Twitch ever, if Twitch is your thing, I'm going to be streaming a little on Twitch this weekend. Twitch.tv slash Blue Harvest Podcast, I believe, is my um, Twitch handle. And uh, if you guys want to stop in, I'll probably be streaming a little Old Republic. Maybe some other Star Wars games. I picked up a sweet deal on some Star Wars PC games this week. Our buddy Rashad over at Will Communications let me know that there was a sale on classic Star Wars games online this week. So I got them all. Dark Forces. Dark Forces 2. Oh. Did you ever play those back in the day, Will? Dark Forces, Dark Forces 2, Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight. Once or twice. Okay. So, I was I was a big fan of those. My dad always sort of messed around with computers when I was a kid, so I would game on them occasionally, um, you know, until I got older and got my own. Uh, Dark Forces and Dark Forces 2 were big for me back then, right? And I haven't played them since, you know, who knows how long it's been since I've played one of those games. A buddy of mine had him as a kid, and I got to play him once. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you remember it. I remember a little bit, but not right. a lot. And so I was, uh, I, I got all these games the other day. Jesse and I went over to 
her sister and Keith's house to uh, hang out and have dinner and stuff. And then we got home and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I don't really have too much time before I need to go to bed. So instead of really diving into something, I'm going to sit down and check out a couple of these old Star Wars games. See how they hold up. Just mess around with them, right? So I fired up Dark Forces and Jesse is sitting on the couch watching me um, play it. She's dicking around on her phone and stuff. <clears throat> and immediately she starts cracking on it. And it's it's funny how I didn't think it was stupid at the time but i totally see where she's coming from but you know the main character of the dark forces games do you remember who that is no kyle kyle katarn okay and she was like oh kyle kyle that's a star wars name kyle kyle luke han chewy obi-wan anakin kyle you throw you throw o on there and you got yourself a name do you Hold on here. Do you have like schmutz in your mustache to make it curly? Am no. I seeing a new No Am I, I seeing a new Will Witten style here? No, no. I just twisted it up for you. Mm. There's nothing in there. That's just hair. I like it. I just noticed, like, I was like, damn, Will's got himself an old school barba curly mustache going on. Look at that. Like that. Nice. <laughs> That's when I know I'm really boring Will on the podcast. He starts twisting his mustache and no, interesting shit. Give me the deed to your land or I'll throw you <laughs> on the railroad tracks. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So what do we got in uh Star Wars news this week? Um, um I we... did see something. What's that? Mark Mark Hamill's gonna be playing Luke Skywalker in the Forces of Destiny animation. Yep, that's a good as place to pick up uh, Star Wars news as any. They uh, they put out a preview and stuff for the next batch of Forces of Destiny episodes, and I'm looking forward to them. There there seems to be some cool ones on there. There's like an Ahsoka episode, a Jin episode, uh, a couple of Ray episodes, one of which takes place during Episode Eight. There's a Maz Kanata episode where they yeah Maz Kanata's in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it seems like they're kind of um, hinting that she helped them come up with the plan to free Han in Return of the Jedi. Because, mm-hmm. like, Leia's there in her boosh, boosh, boosh outfit and stuff. Um, yeah, Mark Hamill, uh, I believe that episode is going to take place on Hoth, so it's going to be during Empire Strikes Back. And, yeah, Mark Hamill's doing the voice of Luke. I think that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. Yeah, I'm looking forward to those. I believe they start next week, those episodes. I need to jump on the Disney app and see if I've missed any. I think I've seen them all, but I need to double check. I haven't seen them. They, they should be. You know, if you were able to get Rebels on demand, you should be able to get those. Um, okay. They're very short. Most of them may even be on YouTube. Um, the other news that came out today is next Wednesday, March 21st, they are implementing the revamp of the progression system in Battlefront 2. That's finally coming through. Microtransactions are coming back. Um, and all that. We knew those would be coming back in March. They said that a little while back. Uh, but basically, they're moving all of the emotes, anything cosmetic, emotes, character stances, and they're adding other cosmetic stuff to the packs they're taking all the star cards out 
So no longer will you have to buy crates to get star cards. They're revamping the progression system to be experience-based. So if you play as an assault class, you will gain experience on that assault class, and your experience gained will unlock the star cards and the abilities and things like that. Um, anything. This is what, this is what they should have done from the beginning. It absolutely and that was is. my only complaint. Yeah. If you guys remember in the day, that is the only thing that I really had to complain about. It was my major bugaboo. And they finally came off of that shit. Yep. Yeah, so. It's hilarious that they did. I didn't think they would. No, no. I mean, I didn't know how they were going to do it. Um, you know, it, it was pretty clear that they went into, like, panic mode. When you completely take microtransactions and the ability to give them more money out of the game, like an emergency move, like it was clearly an emergency move to try and save face because of the bad press they got, you know? Right. So, <laughs> um, which is surprising to see in and of itself, you know, but they always said that they were going to be looking at how to revamp it and bring that stuff back. Um, it does sound pretty cool. Some of the stuff they're going to be adding to the crates and stuff like the cosmetic stuff they're going to be adding soldier skins like for all the different aliens so if you want to be a a rhodian rebel or member of the resistance you'll be able to get a rhodian skin and things like that things that make complete sense things that like if you're gonna microtransaction don't tie it to game progression or skill you know what i mean don't yeah that's that's never going to go over well and it's gonna just seem shitty and look, they <laughs> there was an outcry, and it got it got turned around. So, right, not not that I say it shouldn't have. Like it should have, like you said, it should have just been this way from the beginning. People would have. I don't think the it never would have been a big deal. Nope, everything would have been fine. It would have been you know the way it's acceptable in the industry currently. Like you know. You would have had the big release that everybody wanted. It would have been great. It would have had even bigger player base now because it didn't try to pull some shady shit. Oh, for sure. They were, you know, the, not that it has a small player. You know, I'm not hating. You know, I would just, I would think it would be even more power. All the people that refused to get it and boycotted it, none of that shit would have ever happened, and they would have bought that game. It would, it would have made even more money. Oh, I agree. I think, I think you're 100 percent right about that. I just think, you know. For some people, like maybe these changes will entice people to go out and get the game. I think for a lot of people, it's too little, too late, though. You know? No. Nah, if they slash the price on it, I guarantee. Not if they, I'm not even talking about a price drop, really. Like, but the fact that it's not pay to win, you know, that's the, that's the headline that I'm reading, you know, across the internet. The fact that it's not pay to win anymore is what it's, what's, I think, important to people. Maybe oh, some yeah. of those people that had had boycotted it will come off of it. I mean, you could. I mean, I, I imagine there will be some. I don't think it'll be significant enough to um, make EA change. You know, they they had that conference call a couple months back where they were like, "Yeah, it sold about two million less copies than we were projecting." I don't think they're necessarily going to pick up the lost sales. 
completely. I, I do think some people will know. buy into the game now, especially you know when it comes along like May fourth or something, and that's on sale on Xbox Live and PSN for like yeah, right. That's kind of what I'm saying. Thirty, fifty percent off or something. You'll definitely get people then that are like, well, you know, I I heard online that they changed everything. You know, they fixed it or whatever. Uh, so I'll get it now. The other thing is, is like this news. You got to consider this news about this. Um, uh, <clears throat> like these changes, that's not going to be nearly as far sweeping as the the backlash was. You know, like the big controversy is is always the big story. The making right, right of the controversy is always a much smaller story. Right, just in general. Um, right. So. You know, not everybody's going to even realize, but we'll see. You know, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a complete disaster for EA, but uh, I definitely think they might uh, treat the Star Wars brand a little more kindly going forward. Hopefully, hopefully they learn something from this. And, you know, in a year and a half, two years, we're not talking about the next big Star Wars video game controversy. Right. <clears throat> but yeah. Interesting to see a company do such a, uh, you know, a turnaround after such a big backlash like that. And and like you were saying with player base, I think it's still fairly healthy. I haven't really looked at any of the numbers or anything. Like, I don't right. know that Xbox and PlayStation really lets their player base numbers be known. Uh, like, uh, it, really then it's all about how easy it is for you to get in matches and how populated those matches are and stuff. But Steam right. on the PC lets you see how many people are playing a game at once. So that would be interesting. I should pop on Steam and see how many people are, are still playing Battlefront 2 on there. But I'm sure they still have their you know fairly healthy um, player base, just not insanely big. You know, Steam has a similar problem with toxicity, I believe, in the Overwatch community and a lot of other communities. Well, I mean, uh, Overwatch is through Blizzard. mentioning, coming from your, you know, we talked about PUBG toxicity earlier, and I was just bringing that up. Oh, yeah. Again, I mean, I guess. you know, anytime you give people an anonymous. Yeah, uh, that's kind of what I was going to say. You know, it's, uh, that's my only explanation. It's just so hateful, you know. Like, and I experienced. I played a lot of Halo growing up, mm -hmm. like a lot of Halo, every Halo, and um, and Call of Duty. Like, so I am familiar with public toxicity in video games, uh, you know, exclusively. But it's just so putrid. You, you, you know, you'd figure people would have some decency at some point, but the, I guess there's a lot of latent aggression or you know, unchecked hostility in 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 youth that their only outlet is to... it's not even youth man you'll hear grown-ass men being fucking assholes i've heard it a million times you know it's just you get people understand yeah you I give people get... that uh anon anonymity 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 you give that people give people that kind of an well it's been a good <laughs> night guys it's uh been nice <laughs> talking to you we'll see you next week mm. When you give that people that kind of anonymity, it's yes. a psychological principle. It's like when you give a soldier a mask, they become more brutal and more ferocious, and do they are willing more willing to do gruesome things. 
and because they have a layer of anonymity. They, you know, they know their victim will not know their face. You know, they're encouraged. You know, they're encouraged to show your war face, the war paint. You know, anything that can also intimidate the enemy. It's it's built into us, I guess. Once you're anonymous, you can be hateful, which is really unfair. And that's a really awful side of what the internet allows people to do. For sure. But it is it is a reflection of humanity. <coughs> the yeah. internet is a is a mirror that reflects human the worst and the best in of us. Um yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a shame. Um what else we got for Star Wars news? I thought I had one more thing. Oh. Um, so The Last Jedi came out digitally this week. I figure we're not really going to go super in-depth on discussing all the extra content because it's not released physically yet. People are going to definitely wait um, to pick that up. I've seen several people that are waiting until the physical disc comes out. So, you know, a couple of months, uh, not months, in a couple of weeks we'll talk about deleted scenes and commentary and all that good stuff once will has a chance himself to sit down and watch it all but i have been slowly but surely very methodically digesting every bit of extra content that came with the digital release i picked it up um on voodoo had the 4k version the 4k streaming version and dude oh, wow that movie looks fucking sweet in 4k Damn. Like, it's one of those times, like, there's a few times, like, with, um, say, gaming in 4K or something like that, where I'm like, ah, this is why I upgraded. This is, but sitting there watching Star Wars in 4K, like, they need to get on releasing the rest of the movies in 4K for me. Like, uh, that would be a day one purchase for me. I, I, uh, hopefully it's not too far down the line. Um, I kind of wonder with them having released The Last Jedi, maybe they'll release Rogue One and The Force Awakens in 4K first. And then, you know, who knows, maybe they wait until after Episode Nine for a box set of the uh, original trilogy and the prequels. I don't know. Either way, it looks great. Uh, the documentary, the making of documentary, it's called The Director and the Jedi. So good. So good. I'll say this. Comparing this uh, set of extras to The Force Awakens and Rogue One is night and day. It's so good. A, release out of the box. You get uh, director's commentary on the movie, which you had to wait for the super ultra extra special 3D edition on The Force Awakens. Right. Um, so Ryan Johnson commentary, really good. The one thing I would say about the commentary is <clears throat> it's a, it's from a very um, technical standpoint where he, he talks more about the process of making the movie and things, which is fascinating. It's great. But I also would have liked digging into more of sort of the lore and mythology and, and like, the the character thought process behind certain things. Um, yeah, I'll give a a brief example. So you know, during Ray's second lesson, when Ray and Luke go into like the Jedi Temple area, and that's where you first sort of get a good look at that pool 
that's yeah. got the prime Jedi mosaic in it. Like I was right. hoping he was just going to give a couple of blurbs about like, oh, we came up with this idea for the prime Jedi, et cetera, et cetera. Stuff you can get in the visual dictionary, but would still be kind of cool to hear Ryan Johnson speaking about. And he does reference that mosaic, but it's more from a standpoint of set designer so-and-so came up with this amazing mosaic. We actually, and apparently they actually reused that set for the mirror cave scene. So like they changed that set around and, and like um, redressed it to look differently and lit it differently and things like that. And that's where they also did the mirror cave, right? Yeah. So interesting stuff to know, but just, uh, you know, I wish there had been a little bit more of the other stuff. Um, deleted scenes, really good. We'll go into those a little more once you've had a chance to see them. Uh, deleted scenes with commentary. And a lot of times, I don't know how you are, but like when do you watch deleted scenes? Is it like, what's, what's your more common reaction when you watch a deleted scene? Is it to watch it and go, oh man, I wish that was in the movie? Or is it more like a, okay, I see why that's not in the movie? It depends. It depends on the deleted scene. Yeah. Uh, it's one or the other. Like, it depends on the scene. A lot of these, for me, I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, I wish some of uh, there's there's a, as a handful of them I wish were in the movie. Yeah, because when you watch a deleted scene the, on any movie, you know, you can you can see where some of you're like, man, that deleted, it really would have driven home this one point that I didn't see in the movie, you know, and uh you know, it's a hindsight's fifty-fifty. I'm sure, but right. But so, for instance, one of them is an alternate opening, right? An alternate opening to the movie, which I totally see. Like, I prefer the one that's actually in the movie. So I totally see why that was cut. There's an extended Fathier chase through Canto Bight. Once again, you can see why they cut some of that to sort of. But there's some cool stuff in it. There's a a whole sequence involving a bathhouse at the Fathiers crash into oh wow um that is it's actually kind of funny there's like this weird looking pink alien that's like covering his fucking little pink alien nuts with a towel because he gets scared and shit it's, it's pretty interesting oh no um but then there's others that i see and i'm like oh man i'll tell you this the the third lesson i wish that was in the movie really i think it's got more um of the caretakers, which you know I was a big fan of, right? And and like I don't know, man, I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. So I'll be interested to see what you think, um, when you uh, get a chance to check all that out. I'm looking forward to it. Alrighty. So, do you perhaps want to do some emails and some voice messages? I do indeed. How did you know? I know your body. <laughs> Here we go. Cockhead! The only Jedi master who can crash box Cockhead! Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead! He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty Cockhead to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty Cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we're going to start off with a couple voicemails that we got. Who we got kicking with the voice messages. All right. First up, we've got our buddy Jonathan. It appears he's uh, sent us a voice message about old Harrison Dula. Or Jason Dula. Hey, Haas and Will. I'd like to talk about the end of Rebels. So they did that nice little epilogue at the end, and they uh, tied up everyone's storylines. Well, we see that Hera... And Kanan had a child, Jason, Jason Sindula. So I know there's been a lot of jokes and everything about the way his character was rendered for the animation, whether it's he looks like Billy Joe from Green Day meets Captain Planet or whatever. It's not really what I thought would have been the mix of having a Twi'lek and a human uh, have a kid. And then I think last week, I, I, I think I recall Will mentioning, you know, it's, it's kind of like a mule. You know, you have a donkey and a horse, and they create a mule. And then the mule can't uh, procreate. They're, they're sterile. So if Jason Sindula grows up to be a Jedi Master, he would join an elite circle of Jedi who could crush box. And he wouldn't even have to worry <laughs> about getting anyone pregnant. Just think about that. All right, guys. Oh, wow. Keep up the great podcasting, and may the Force be with you. Wow. Uh, okay. Like, I knew uh, I knew I was a little off the rails and a little rough podcasting last week, but did we talk about mules fucking last week? I might have brought it up. Okay. I, I couldn't remember. Like, I forget most of the shit I, uh, we say, like, 10 minutes after we record, right? So I, I'm sitting here racking my brain, like thinking like, did we actually talk about mules fucking? And then I'm like, well, last week was rough. So it's, it's very possible. And then I was like, maybe he heard it on a different podcast. Maybe no, Jonathan's he heard, I'm pretty sure. Did he, did he, did he, he heard it here first. Uh, mules, mules can't be making mules, babies. Mules can't make babies. Hmm. My goodness, the things I've forgotten. <laughs> but um, but uh, da da da. Hmm. Makes me want to go back and listen, see if that really. Just feel like that would have stuck with me. Hmm. I think it, it was very bump in the road, and we just kept going. There's a mule bump in the road. All right. Next up, we got our buddy King Tom. Hey, Hawes and Will. It's King Tom. I need some help here because I'm in a bit of a mental conundrum. My mind is flipping back and forth on something. See, I'm, I'm changing my mind because ever since it was announced, you know, that Disney bought Star Wars and they said we're going to do, we're going to tell more Star Wars saga films, but we're also going to tell stories that, you know, take place outside of the saga. Uh, I've been a big fan of there being an Obi-Wan Kenobi spin-off movie, but lately, the more I think about it, I'm not so sure I want one anymore. 
the biggest reason I want one now is to see Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan again. Uh, Ewan McGregor has been a gift to Star Wars. He took a role that someone else had established and made it his own. You know, he's a great actor, and it kind of helps that, unlike Alec Guinness, he wasn't a dick about things. So it would be great to see him in Star Wars again. Um, really? That's the only reason I want to see one, I think, because I'm trying to think of all the possible stories they could tell. And in that exile on Tatooine, I don't know how exciting it would be. Now, granted, the people who make these movies are very talented and could definitely tell a story better than anything I can think of in my mind. But anything involving Vader or the Sith or taking Obi-Wan off of Tatooine would really ruin what we know of the... Star Wars saga uh, just because it, it, it would break that continuity and I think that in the Star Wars comics they had three issues featuring Obi-Wan's life on Tatooine protecting Luke from afar getting used to life in the desert and they were great stories and I, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they could top those stories but I don't know that you know with all these other characters we have and all the other time areas they could explore and locations they could explore the strongest reason I want to see an Obi-Wan movie is to see Ewan McGregor in that role again and I don't know that that's as strong as seeing any of these other stories that they could tell what do you guys think about that do you think that the market is still as hot for uh, an Obi-Wan movie as it was you know back when we first started talking about this a year or two years ago or am I or have other people kind of started thinking well you know, maybe maybe we want to see something else instead. Anyway, thanks for listening, and thank you for the awesome podcast, and I will talk to you guys soon. King Tom raises a pretty interesting point for me. Um, I think maybe we even sort of briefly talked about this one week. Like, I feel the exact same way King Tom does as far as the reason I want an Obi-Wan movie. Is it's to see Ewan McGregor play Obi-Wan again. Right. Um, but as far as my sort of taste in Star Wars movies, like, I almost wonder if I would like a young Obi-Wan on his... F- I don't know. I don't know. Like a pre-Phantom Menace movie. Obi-Wan You'd be and cool Qui-Gon. if they recast Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. Well, would you really need to recast Qui-Gon Jinn? Probably. I mean, it's been... I don't know. I don't really know. See, the thing is, is if we're going to get a large breadth of Star Wars movies, like certain things in Star Wars we've got to hold a little less preciously, and that is these characters, or these actors playing these characters. Like, if we ever want a live-action movie set in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens that deals with original trilogy characters, they're going to have to be recast, right? Yeah. Look at it with Han Solo. If we want a young Han Solo movie, you got to cast somebody to be young Han Solo. That's true. If <laughs> so, you're going to tell a story in that era. Um, so, you know. That's fine with me. I'm okay with recasting. You know, the more stories, the better. Obi-Wan is, like, my favorite character, so... Yeah, see, that's the thing, like... Anything Obi-Wan would really hit me in the feels. And King Tom sort of has the same questions I do about uh, the Obi-Wan movie. It's like, what do you do with it? Like, what do you make... 
um, like his motivation, like what's going on in the story is basically what I'm talking about. And like he mentioned those Marvel comics that sort of are from the journals of Obi-Wan that tell different sort of stories about him living on Tatooine are really cool. Are they feature length movie? Cool. Definitely not. You know, I, I am still of the mind that Obi-Wan could leave Tatooine for a brief time. I, you know, I guess Luke and it, is not on the radar. Luke doesn't even get on the radar until he's, you know, until a new hope. Right. You know, I don't know. I guess I just sort of like it. I like it from that sort of samurai and exile living out his penance for fucking up. Cause you know, at the end of the day, Obi-Wan and Yoda kind of fucked up. Like, uh, that's certainly how they take it. Yeah. That's certainly how they feel. So, you know, his sort of exile on Tatooine watching over Luke, not necessarily living the, uh, jet all it setting. would take is a vision or a force dream. <clears throat> Tell him he's got something. To, he needs to do something somewhere and he'll go do it. Yeah. I guess you can. Like I said, I guess you could do that. Um, that's the one thing that like I will have to get over and become comfortable with with an Obi-Wan movie if they go that route. Because I'm not necessarily a big fan of Obi-Wan leaving Tatooine. But if that's the way they go, like then that's the way they go. I'll be cool with it. Like as long as they make it for a good reason and do something cool with it, you know. But you can really say about say that about anything, I guess. <clears throat> um but yeah, it makes me wonder. The one thing like I'm 100% dead set on is no Obi-Wan and Vader meeting in between no. 3 and 4. No, so no. I don't want, you know, Obi-Wan and Vader to so if you're going to, you know, the question becomes like are No, I, not trying to retcon that a yeah. presence I haven't felt since uh this encounter that he had like 6 months ago is what we, what he meant right there. Yeah, well, obviously they couldn't do six months before A New Hope, A, because Ewan McGregor's not Alice Guinness, Alec Guinness old yet, so I would feel they like... They could wait. They could wait that long. I guess they could. Um, I kind of feel like it would be more likely for them to set it like maybe around the halfway point, somewhere five to ten years after Revenge yeah. of the Sith makes a little more sense. I mean, it couldn't happen. They could never meet. It just couldn't happen. No. The dialogue in A New Hope makes it impossible. No, I, I'm, agree, I'm, agree, I'm agreeing with that 100%. Like I said, that's the one thing I'm steadfast in. So, you know, not to be sort of shallow about Star Wars, but you got Obi-Wan, a Jedi, with a lightsaber. Uh, do you have him getting a lightsaber battle with someone? You know, at this No, time, I imagine he uses the lightsaber to defend himself against black, you know... Mm -hmm. And maybe not even not even one opponent, but when he gets you know he's surrounded by like ten guys, he's got to flip out the lightsaber just to reflect all those bolts. Yeah, and uh, you know they could always, I guess, work an Inquisitor into the story. We know those exist now. Yeah, Inquisitors. So, so maybe he he runs across an Inquisitor or something. All right, <laughs> next up we have our buddy Sam Scorsone. Hey, Halls and Will. In Rebels, we see Ezra transported to some kind of force nexus full of these porter, portals or windows into different timelines where Ezra is presented with an opportunity to save Kanan from dying. This got me wondering, could this be what Sheev was alluding to back when he was telling his story about Dark Plagueis? Could Plagueis at one point or another have stumbled into or had 
learned about these Force Nexuses? When Palpatine tells Anakin, turn Vader, in Revenge of the Sith, that together they will discover the secret to saving people from dying, could we be seeing that very research? Always thought he was lying to Vader, or BSing to Vader, but maybe he was serious about digging into it. Thanks, guys. Sam Scorsone. Uh, I think it's possible. I mean, now I think that's entirely possible. This, I mean, it's entirely possible that this is the way that he meant about saving people from dying, keeping the ones he loved from dying. Um, I don't know that that it is, or that he ever intended to come looking for it, or that he, even if he knew, you know, how to use it, but. So I always he clearly didn't know how to use it, right? Right, obviously, because it was in his possession for a long time. Well, what I was gonna say is like, maybe he didn't know that that was what Plagueis was doing exactly. He had some right. vague idea, and then because like, <clears throat> I don't know that he has necessarily a portal himself. I kind of wonder if maybe he does, because. You know, they've established in canon that he sets up his uh, Imperial Palace in the old Jedi Temple, right? That's where the Imperial Palace is. He takes over the Jedi Temple. And then there's this other piece of canon where the Jedi Temple is built like somewhere in the ruins or the catacombs below the Jedi Temple is a Sith Temple. I'm pretty sure that's true. Um. So maybe he found a portal down there, and that's why he was using that weird Sith warlock voodoo fucking mumbo-jumbo magic to open. But it, clearly he couldn't really cross in, or else he would have just hopped in. Clearly he didn't have the same access. He would have done far worse. You know, like, clearly he didn't have... He wouldn't have been pursuing the actual access to it at the Wolf Circle portal where they jumped in. And it could also be that this was just another way that he found the answer to that. Maybe that's not even how Plagueis was able to defeat and save people from dying, you know? Right. Maybe it was. I don't know. That would be something I'd be interested to hear like Dave Filoni talk about. Maybe somebody will ask him that at a, a con panel or something. All right. Next up, we have our buddy Brad H. Sweet baby Jesus. Force projections. Force time travel. We're getting weird as fuck with the Force, and I'm loving every minute of it. So where does Ray fall into all of this? This all presents too many questions. What do you guys think? Is it possible that Ray could eventually do what Ezra did and go back to other integral times in Star Wars canon? If so, what would be the implications? If she can, say, go back to Mustafar and pull Anakin away just before he chokes Padme and talks sense into them? What would that mean for the galaxy as a whole? Fuck, my head is spinning up and down. Left is right, inside is out. Hate me, help me make sense of all this, Brad H. P.S. Ryan Johnson went outside the box for The Last Jedi. Do you expect J.J. to rein it in or go all out and get even weirder? <clears throat> okay. So, I'm still of the mind that I don't know that you could change major events in Star Wars history with that nexus. again that nexus I, is it not tailored specifically to the person was ezra not seeing his past specifically and, not and the galaxy 
pertain to him? I would think so. It seemed that way. We didn't see anything. It's not like he saw, like, you know, Ray and Kylo fighting on Starkiller yeah, Base. Like, or, so there wasn't really a way for him to see um, so, Anakin and Padme anywhere. You know, like, maybe if Ray went into that Nexus, she would see the moment her parents left her and things like that, you know? Right, right. So... I honestly, I don't think they're going to do anything with that in the movies. Like the weirder force stuff in the cartoons seems to be kept pretty separate from the stuff in the movies thus far. Like we, for instance, we haven't seen anything really referencing Mortis or anything like that in the movies. And and while it was beautiful, go ahead, bud. I was just gonna say, while it's beautifully done, it's far too powerful to introduce to the larger realm. Yeah, it opens up I don't a think Pandora's we'll see any box more. of... Right. Of, I don't think we'll see any more of that just because <laughs> of, you know, how it could tip the scales and, and mess, you know, totally screw the game. Right. Unbalance them. Yeah, I, I don't think, see them messing with it much further. Um, as far as do I think Ryan will get weirder with episode nine or sort of rein it in oh yeah no no i kind of feel like since just because the fact that it's episode nine it's the end to this trilogy you kind of go a little more normal with it for lack of a better time term no no i think jj's gonna go okay so jj started out straight and then you know ryan johnson went completely left and then I think JJ is going to go back, you know, not middle, not middle of the road. I think he's going to skew back in a, in a completely different direction. I think it's going to be another surprise. I definitely think there'll be surprises. I definitely Twist. don't. I don't think. Yeah, I think there'll be some twists. But the other thing is, is like, I think there'll be a fair amount of resolution as well. And just sort of what we assume, at least now, to be a what the basic story is going to be is the, the big final showdown between the resistance and the first order. Right. So you got to have a winner in that conflict. You would think it's going to be the good guys, but if they want to leave it open to another trilogy, maybe it's not even, maybe this doesn't end on a big victory. Um, but I don't know that we'll necessarily go super weird. He may expound on some stuff. Um, and I definitely don't think we're going to get like a Return of the Jedi remake or reboot. At or first, whatever. I thought you were talking about Ryan getting weird and uh, Ryan his trilogy. I was like, oh no, that's going to get weird. Mm-hmm. That's why he got his own trilogy. Is that that's going to get it's going to get weird? Oh, I, I fully agree with that. I think that that will be the place you see some weirder stuff. Man, I can't wait for that. Like, it's so interesting to me that going into the sequel trilogy and how fast the movies were coming, I was like, man, I'm going to be bummed after episode nine. I don't know like what amount of spinoffs they can give me after episode nine that will get me as excited as a saga film. Right. Yeah. But then they've done it. Yeah, they have. Then I see the last Jedi love it so much. And so into it that they gave that guy sort of stewardship of his own trilogy. Like, that's got me pretty hyped. I got to say, good job on that one, Lucasfilm. Right, you and me both. <clears throat> All right, next up, we got our buddy Neil. Hey, Halls and Will. I recently read an excerpt from the upcoming Han and Lando novel, Last Shot. 
In the couple of pages of material that was there, you see Han as a very devoted father. Ben is taking a nap on Han's chest as Han is also napping, and as a hollow call comes in, he does everything he can to make sure Ben is not woken up. When he eventually does wake up from the commotion and starts to cry, he coddles him and the writing conveys real love for his son. Lately, or lastly, at the end of the excerpt, someone is banging on the door to their apartment and the first thing on Han's mind is keeping Ben safe. With all this evidence of love and true fatherhood, it really makes me wonder where all that went and how they could have gotten so far apart by the time The Force Awakens takes place. Your thoughts on this would be great. Neil from Chicago. Um, <clears throat> so I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a mixture of... Um, I think there's going to be this, a mixture of sort of a storyline where, you know, Ben as a baby was a baby... Ben, as a kid, probably starting to exhibit force powers, became a bit of a difficult child, you know, in some way, right? And I think more evidence that although Han may have been aloof or may have been distant, he was still a good dad. Right, you know, and it's clear that Han and Leia care about Kylo in right. the the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, he, but you know, he affectionately holds him after he was cured in the chest. Okay, like. Yeah, so I think, like, maybe Ben was a difficult child and maybe felt abandoned by his parents when they sent him off to to train with Luke, you know? Well, that must have been a long time ago because he was old as shit, you know, when Luke looked in his head. Yeah, that's not, like, the day. I, I think it's for, I think he's with Luke for quite a while. Like, that's not the day he showed up at Luke training camp, you know? I'm just assuming his teenage years. Right. And, you know, with Kylo being in his 30s, I think, in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, you got, well, definitely in his 30s, because he's born not long after, you know, maybe within a year after the Battle of Endor, when you're talking about 30 years later, so yeah. Um, so, there's some time that he's been with Luke. And then you also can't discount Snoke manipulating Ben and telling Ben, you know, who knows what Snoke has told Ben about his parents, like, getting in his ear and saying some fucked up shit about Han and Leia. Uh, there's definitely some crazy manipulation going on by Snoke. So, I would say that's also a factor. And then, you also bring in the fact that Han, Leia, Luke, none of them told Kylo Ben about Darth Vader being his grandfather. You find that out in the Bloodline book, when it becomes like breaking news in the galaxy that Leia is the daughter. Leia and Luke are the, are the kids of Darth Vader. It becomes a big deal. And Leia sends Ben a message saying like, Hey, I'm sorry. Um, and we never told you this, et cetera, et cetera. So from, from what, where I stand, I think those three things probably all sort of combined and, and probably the, the most effective has been Snoke messing with Kylo. So, if I had to guess, that's what's going on. Yeah. Brad also sent me a sick-ass link to a uh, custom lightsaber place that's now making Kia D's lightsaber hilt. Oh, wow. Yeah. Might need that for the collection one day. How funny would that be? Oh, you got a custom lightsaber. 
What character? Who who uses that lightsaber? Uh, recognize fool Kia D Mundi. Kia D Mundi. Whatever. Pronunciation isn't my thing. Did you guys hear how I kept trying to say anonymity? Hey hey! This is there you me. go. It's when you don't think about it. You said pronunciation, <laughs> fine. So next up, we have a, an email from our buddy Jake. What is going on, guys? Since Rebels is wrapping up, I have one question that I need answered before the finale. Is the Grand Inquisitor dead? Like he was dead, then came back as a good guy, Temple Guard. Was that another Ezra vision? Did he die the second time? Did Ezra save him too? What the fuck happened to the dude? Hope you can ease my mind on this, because if the show ends and I don't find out, I'm a helmet into a light till it shatters. Dang. Thanks in advance. Oh, he's talking about Kylo. Thanks in advance. Always love the podcast. Thanks for writing in, buddy. So, yes, the Grand Inquisitor died. And I'm a little rusty on Rebels because I haven't watched season two or three since they first aired. But yeah, the Grand Inquisitor is dead dead at the end of the first season. That vision, it is a vision that Ezra sees. And it's basically showing you the Grand Inquisitor's past. He didn't come back as a temple guard that's what he was before order 66 the grand inquisitor started off as a jedi temple guard and then after order 66 he was recruited or turned into or an inquisitor or whatever it is they do so no he didn't come back that's no time shenanigans that's just some ezra force vision stuff <clears throat> all right next up we've got our buddy Rabo, and you know Rabo. He brings the thickness in his questions. Hey there, Blue Ballers. It's your boy, Robbo. I actually watched the last few episodes, and I have a lot of questions. He's talking about Rebels. I was really surprised that Vader actually saw Ahsoka get snatched by future Ezra. There's no way Vader could see that and not figure out what the figure out that time travel is possible. Wouldn't his very next step to be be to immediately go to Ezra's planet and start poking around for clues? Who has more reasons to change the past than Darth Vader? Even if Vader doesn't want to go back and unmurder his wife, wouldn't he at least see time travel as his best shot at killing the Emperor? If Vader takes any of that Sith bullshit seriously, isn't that exactly what he'd do? Go back in time and put a saber through old prune face when he's on the space, John? Speaking of Palpatine, what the hell is... A was his plan with Ezra. I understand that he wants to get rid of him, but there aren't aren't there much more reliable ways of doing that than exile by time machine? I mean, for this plan to work, Ezra has to be captured and disarmed first. Why not just, you know, kill him? Also, the Emperor has a goddamn time machine, and the first thing he uses it for is to screw with some kid? I honestly don't think I get Rebels. On one hand, it seems like a much better show than the all- than all the grousing led me to believe. On the other hand, the writer of these episodes clearly didn't understand or didn't care who Vader and the Emperor are or what they want. Well, okay. So, talking about Vader, I don't know that Vader, for one, saw that it was Ezra that got, grabbed Ahsoka. So, I don't know that Vader would necessarily... You know, just seeing an arm come out of that portal and grab Ahsoka, realize that time travels. There's so much weird shit in the Force we're learning. Who knows what the fuck he thought it was. Um, and actually, reading your ro email, Robbo, makes me wonder, is that how Palpatine even figured out something like that was possible? Did Vader go back and report to Palpatine, 
Yeah, was that Malachor? Shit went down. Darth Maul showed up. You remember that guy you told me about? Darth Maul? Yeah, he's still around. Um, Buffy got killed. And I'll be damned if I wasn't fighting my old apprentice. And an arm came out of a magical hole and pulled her into something. And maybe that's what gets the Emperor interested in researching that, you know? Yeah. Secondly, I don't know that the Emperor has access to the quote-unquote time machine. I think he is using Ezra to open that portal. Like, I think he knows... Because if he... Yeah. Yeah, because if he did, the Emperor, like you said a couple emails back, the Emperor would be doing some heinous-ass shit if he had access to that. Right. so I honestly wonder when he does when he has Ezra open that uh, portal in the finale and Ezra sees his family, I kind of think the Emperor wants him to go through there because if he does, then the Emperor will have some kind of access. Yeah, he can get through from the portal Ezra opens. Or something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I would say that I feel like they may have missed the ball with a little bit in regards to the Vader and Emperor thing in Rebels is... I have never seen Vader as a guy who would, like, if all that shit happened to him with this band of rebels in season two, like, I don't think he would ever not be going after them. So I think they might have missed the ball a little bit not having Vader show up at some point after the end of season two. Like, he seems like the kind of guy that would be like, no, that's not it. I'm going to get you guys. And maybe not only until the Luke Skywalker thing all pops off does he be like, well, fuck that. I've got bigger things to worry about. I think right. I got a kid running out in the universe, y'all. <clears throat> um, let's see. What else? I think we got that. And really, Robbo, you should check out Rebels. It's not as bad as all the mountains of complaints that are go out there. I don't think it's a perfect show by any means. But... Uh, you know, now that it's all out, and if you have a way to binge it, check it out. I mean, it's Star Wars. At the end of the day, you're still sitting down and watching Star Wars, and that's pretty fucking cool. All right, <clears throat> next up, we got our buddy Darth Pizza. Darth Pizza. Darth Pizza. You said in your most recent podcast that they didn't address Holdo's sexuality in The Last Jedi. I think they did, sort of, actually. Holda and Leia looked pretty hornily at each other when they basically said goodbye before Holdo hyper-sacrificed herself. I think maybe when Han left, Holdo swooped in for the rebound. At least that was that's what I hope happened. High five. Darth Pizza. Ah, eh, maybe. I, I wouldn't be mad. You know, I really don't care either way. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like, is that really a dre- I don't think that it? was a loving glance. I think it was a I think it was a friendly th- loving glance like I think you both know we're both fucked and I know what you're doing and Yeah. Yeah. I um, appreciate your sacrifice. Yeah, I I think so too. And I mean when I say addressing it, I mean in sort of like a meaningful way that can like mean something for people that are looking to be represented in Star Wars. Is more right. what I mean by uh addressed you know right 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 next up is our buddy robert hey halls and will hope you guys are having an awesome day i opened my email and saw that there is an exclusive version of the last jedi that is just the movie and john williams score 
Holy shit, does that sound amazing. I've pasted the link into the article with Ryan Johnson talking about it below. It's not so exclusive, though, because all you have to do is link your digital video subscription with Movies Anywhere, and bam, you've got yourself a damn-ass score-only version of Star Wars. The article states that you can access it by going to the special feature sections of Movies Anywhere. Man, I'm so excited. Hopefully you guys have already figured it out and were able to enjoy it. I'm waiting for the Blu-ray release to get this movie, and this is one of the first things I'm going to do when I get it. Have a good weekend, and may the force be with you. So, I haven't checked out the score-only version yet. I am going to do that uh, pretty soon. It's one of the... I think that's the only thing I haven't checked out yet. But... uh, It's a neat concept because, if I'm not mistaken, George Lucas always talked about how he would like to do versions of the movies that were basically silent films with just John Williams' score. Oh, wow. It's neat to see that they put something out like that. uh, That's cool. You know, at least for a watch to see how it it plays out, I think that'd be pretty neat to check out. And I love me some John Williams' music. Right. All right, we got two more emails before we call it a night. All right. Uh, this one is from our buddy Josiah over at Force Sports Pod. Mr. Stoolin himself. Hey, guys. Thanks for the kind birthday wishes last week. My question is about Rebels and Ahsoka. So Ahsoka went back to her portal, back to the season two finale. She's alone on Malachor with, if I remember correctly, no way to get off the planet. First off, Wouldn't you love to see a version of Castaway with Ahsoka stuck on Malachor and the fifth brother's head as Wilson? I'd be in for that. Second, if Ahsoka went back to that time period, what has she been doing? Has she just sent her owl creature to keep tabs on Ezra and the others while she's stuck on Malachor? Thanks. That does sort of fascinate me, what Ahsoka was up to. Um, after season two, clearly I think I she's mean, she's probably stuck on Malachor for a while, or I think she would have probably went and joined the fight with the rebels. I think she would have shown back up and helped Ezra and everybody. Right? Maybe she had to scour the surface of the planet till she found a, a shipwreck and was able to use the communication to call somebody. Or maybe she did find a way to reaccess that portal, and who knows? You know. Maybe the Sith Temple was closed and she couldn't exit the, her portal where she need, where she needed to. Well, I think she definitely came back at the end of season two, but she would have been like he's. I think she's stuck on Malachor, and I think when and if, probably more like when instead of if, we get the story of what happened to Ahsoka after season two of Rebels. You know, uh, her getting off of Malachor somehow will. I be. mean, clearly she gets off and finds. Yeah, Yeah, she does at some point. It's just, and I think that is why it takes her so long to show up, you know, post Return of the Jedi. It could take years. When it comes down to it, we could find out that it took her years to get off of Malachor. We could find out that, you know, her experience being in that weird Force Nexus area, and like, is why she didn't interfere with the events of the original trilogy. Right. Like, who knows? There's a lot of avenues they can go, but it'll be pretty interesting, I think, <clears throat> um, when we do find out what she was up to during that time. 
All right. So we got one more email and we're fucking caught up. Guys, thanks so much for being patient. Thanks for sending in all the emails. Keep sending them in. It'll be a little easier for us now since we're not so backed up. Uh, But this one's from our buddy William. It's been a bit since I wrote into you guys, so I thought I'd drop a quick line. First, Favreau for Star Wars seems like a pretty sweet deal. I do, however, feel like halls on a lot of these announcements. I have good optimism with no preconceived notions or expectations. I just want some good Star Wars shit to nerd out to. My question for you guys this week comes from Battlefront. I'm not a huge gamer, but I pretty much bought a system for Star Wars games. My question is, do you guys still enjoy the game, and how do you feel about its direction? Also, what do you think the Star Wars gaming universe might look like in the future? I still play on a regular basis, and am around or, we- ro- around or so away from getting Luke's Hoth skin. Well, thanks for the awesome podcast, guys, and may the Force be with you. <clears throat> um... To be completely honest, it's been a little while since I've played Battlefront. And it's always one of those things, like, on a Saturday or a Sunday when I really get a chance to play video games. Where I'm like, oh, I should play Battlefront. Um, but unfortunately, there's always something that sort of edges it out. Um, and lately, it's been fucking Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds came out, like, a month after Battlefront and... Uh, I've played a lot of that. So much so that over the last week or two, I've been trying to take small breaks from it just to break. So I'm not only playing Battlegrounds because I get a little frustrated. I get a little frustrated at that game sometimes. Yeah, everyone does. Yeah, it's only now. But you're right. It's about all I play right now. I'm going to have to force myself to play something else. Um, So... I think I will end up going back to it, though. Especially next week when the progression but I system like, changes. Right, that's what I was going to say. Now that that's changed, I don't feel like putting putting time in on my classes is a whole lot more effective than it once was. Yeah, and I'll, 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 I'll want to unlock the skins and the cool shit like that. So I'll definitely check it out. Um, future of Star Wars gaming. I would be really surprised if EA is able to continue holding the license after this this deal is up for them. Um, mainly because of this backlash with Battlefront 2. Now, that being said, if the next game comes out and is amazing, and does really well, super well, then, you know, money talks. Maybe EA does keep the license. Um, the, the thing that kind of sucks about it not being LucasArts anymore is LucasArts... You know, no one person held the license. LucasArts held the license. And then they would, like, contract other studios to make Star Wars games. Um, Right. Which, A, meant you got a lot more Star Wars games, which also meant you got a lot of crappy Star Wars games. Uh, I would, I really wish Star Wars video games were releasing with a little faster pace. Like, right. Every other year we get a a AAA Star Wars game. That's not enough, man. Like, I want such a variety in different experiences through Star Wars video games that one every other year doesn't really cut it for me. You know, we've got. I got a feeling we'll get there. I got a feeling once the ice is broken, there'll be every kind of Star Wars game. Because that was what I was going to say. The future of Star Wars gaming, any video, the future of video games is the future of Star Wars video games. 
any way there is a video game, it will be tailor made to make a Star Wars game. Just don't worry about it. You know, any system, any virtual reality, any if Ready Player One, when it becomes that kind of shit, you know, there will be a Star Wars version of everything. You know, so the future of Star Wars gaming is the future of video gaming itself. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, you know, I'm like you. I want a, a variety. You know. You know what I would love? I was playing some um, fucking Diablo three a couple of weeks back. You know. Diablo. How cool would that be in Star Wars? Yeah, it'd be awesome. Hack and slash, dungeon crawling. Or shooting a blaster. Or yeah, a, that's what I mean. Shooting or a blasting. crossbow. Or, or whatever. Wookie. You know, yeah. you got your different, like Diablo, you got your different classes, armor pieces. Oh, man. That'd be sick. That would be the sickest. The sickest. Anyway. Guys, once again, thanks for writing in. And uh, sorry if it took us a little while to get to everybody's emails and voice messages. But we're caught up. So hopefully... Knock on wood, that won't be an issue as much going forward. Um, and I think that's going to do it for this this week. We'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. If you like the band or the music or a theme song, be sure to check out the band who was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra, and you can get them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.com. Uh, leave us a five-star iTunes review if you got the time. We're getting really close to 100 reviews, guys. We got like 94. So hitting 100 would be pretty fucking sweet. And uh, other than that, buddy, thanks for recording with me this week. Yeah, man, it's been great. Thanks for hitting me up. Hell yeah, buddy. We'll uh, we'll talk next week. And that's right, the Beverly Willbillies. Coming, coming to LA. Coming in the Beverly Willbillies. Here at the end, I pull the episode out of a nosedive into a beautiful title for this week. Anyways, guys, uh, thanks for everything. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.